Today on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Ballmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne in Melbourne, Florida. There should be, listen, some evidence that I've truly repented. Salvation is never by works. But after you're saved, there should be some evidence of what took place in your heart. Godly character, what does that mean? I'll give them to you. Godly character is this, the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness. Those characteristics of Christ should be evident in your life. Are they? What does a real Christian, a true believer in the God of the Bible, look like? Do they have certain physical appearances? Do they dress a specific way? Do they have a particular way of talking? Well, in today's message, Pastor Mark will answer these questions. We'll quickly learn that being a Christian has very little to do with the external. and has a lot to do with the internal. You see, when you become a believer, there's a change that takes place on the inside. You become a new creation. A process of restoration and renewal takes place. God's grace begins to work in and through you. Then you'll begin to bear fruit. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4, verse 1, with part one of our message entitled, Which Listener Are You? don't always appear as they are. And Jesus is going to say this morning in his parable, what does a real Christian look like? Well, you know, we used to have our idea, didn't we? I won't ask you what you think a real Christian looks like. But we used to look externally, and Jesus is going to talk about this. Let's look at chapter 4, verse 1. And again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got in a boat and sat in it out on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. So Jesus would have been, for instance, I'd be like I was in the boat and you were in the crowd. And as always, people came to hear Jesus. Now, when the disciples looked out on the crowd, this same crowd as we would have this morning, when they looked out on the crowd, they saw one thing. When Jesus looked out in the crowd, he saw something different. Now, when the disciples looked out, they looked out and there was masses of people always. So the disciples probably said something like this. You know, this ministry we're involved is pretty successful. I mean, they're going to have to put another parking lot out there. They're going to have to go to five services. These things are really happening. This is a successful ministry. Because they looked at numbers of people as truly spiritual success. Now, we would never do that, would we? Jesus looked out in the crowd. He saw something different. You see, the disciples, when they looked out at the masses of people, thought, well, everybody's here. To listen and to learn and to do what Jesus is teaching. When Jesus looked out, he saw four types of people. Three of them weren't really interested at all. Only one out of the four was interested. You see, Jesus looked beyond the outside, the can that said Christian. And he looked through because he has DNA vision. And he looked through to your heart and my heart and said Let's count off. One, two, three, four. Only one of those 
is really here for the right reason. Wow. Now, how is he going to tell that to his disciples? Well, we'll see this morning. He's going to use parables. And by the way, as Jesus looks out in your heart this morning, you know, you can carry a sign, Christian. You can wear a t-shirt, Christian, but he doesn't look at your t-shirt. He doesn't look at the cross around your neck. He looks at your heart. We'll see that as we go through the parable. Interesting statistic recently I just heard was this. An individual went in and polled some churches in their membership and said, are you sure you're a Christian? Are you absolutely sure you're a Christian and going to heaven? These were church members. The result? 50% of the church members weren't sure they were true Christians. That ought to say something to us, shouldn't it? 50%. Jesus is going to use a parable which really says 75%. Interesting as we go through it. Look at verse 2. And he taught them many things by parables and his teaching said. So a parable is taking a truth that's easy to see and applying it next to the teaching. The word parable means alongside. So Jesus is going to have a truth and he's going to put alongside this, this parable, this easily understood parable. You're familiar with it probably. Let's read it. Verse 3. Listen. A farmer went out to sow a seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up, and some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil, and it sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they were withered because they had no root. Other seeds fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, produced a crop, multiplying 30, 60, even a hundred times. Then Jesus said, he who has ears, let him hear. How many have ears this morning? Look at your neighbors here. Funny looking suckers, aren't they? I mean, real, some of you hide it. You ladies like to hide your ears, but they're, they're weird, aren't they? But what was Jesus saying? He was looking out the crowd and saying, all right, let me see if you have ears. What he was saying to this, you know, in the deaf ministry, we have a great deaf ministry in the first service. We have almost like 20 people now in our deaf ministry, just wonderful people getting saved. So what Jesus was saying to them is, don't worry about that. If there's somebody signing, you can understand what, he's, what the hearing is, is the heart. It wasn't physical hearing. So Jesus is saying to you this morning, hey, listen up. Not here, but here. Now, the heart we're not talking about is not this physical organ here. It's the spirit of you, the, the real person, the person that's going to spend either eternity with God in heaven or eternity with Satan separated from God. So the heart, when you see this this morning, the soils that we see this morning is the real you. In verse 10, he says, when he was alone, the 12 and others around him asked him about the parables. And he told them, well, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, remember that, everything is said in parables, so that they may be ever seeing, but never perceiving, ever hearing, but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. That sounds a little cruel. Jesus saying he doesn't want the people to understand the parables? No, here's what he's saying. He would begin to explain the disciples, to the disciples, the meaning of the parables. Parables given by Jesus were twofold. They were to reveal and conceal. 
Now, some parables were very clear to all the crowd. Some days, the Pharisees, who were against Jesus, as he taught with a parable, they said things like this. Hey, he's talking about us. I think he's talking about us. Was he? You bet he was. They got it. But many times, his parables were used to conceal the truth to those people who had hearts that were unreceptive. Look back in verse 11. To those on the outside. What did he mean by that? The religious leaders were on the outside. They refused to believe even though the truth was smack dab right in front of them. They saw Jesus heal. They saw all these things take place and yet they refused to believe. Not because they couldn't, but because they just determined they would not believe. So Jesus says, fine, that's the way you want to be. If your heart is going to be like that, then you will never get the parables. Because I'm going to give them and cloak them so that you don't understand them. Because if you really did, you'd be even more mad at me and you'd try to kill me before my father's through with my time. So to the people who had unbelieving hearts and didn't want to change, the parables were used to conceal. But to anybody with an open heart, a receptive heart, wanting to be obedient, the parables were given to reveal. Verse 13. Then Jesus said to them, to his disciples, those close people around him who were open, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? So this is obviously a key parable. And what Jesus is saying is this, this parable has great relevance, disciples, for your life. There is nothing more important than understanding this simple Plain, straightforward parable. Now the reason that, the reason for that is this. Jesus is going to talk in this first parable about the most basic element that there is in any of our lives. It's our eternal relationship with God. He's going to talk about salvation, born again, saved. Whatever Christian, whatever term you want to use, this is what the whole parable is about. Now, why does he say, listen up, if you miss this one, you miss all the rest? Because if you don't know this morning, you're a Christian, beyond a shadow of a doubt, and by the way, you can, I do, you can, then what Jesus is saying, the rest of the teachings I give don't matter, because they only relate to one thing, believers who really know God, because the rest of it makes no sense at all. So that's why I'm saying to you this morning, hey, listen up. Because you'll find from this parable, many people think they're Christians, but they have a false assurance given to them by faulty doctrine. So that's why Jesus says, listen up. Now there's three elements. Look at verse 14. The first is the sower. It says the farmer sows the word. How many know what a farmer is? Come on now, I know we're city folk, but... Come on, a farmer. Okay, a farmer. A farmer plants. The farmer in this parable is who? Jesus. Jesus is the sower in the parable. I'm the sower of the word this morning, but Monday morning, faithfully, prayerfully, hopefully, you're the one sowing the word. That's how the word gets out. So the sower. Secondly, we have the seed. What is the seed that he's sowing? The seed is the word of God. The living word of God. 
specifically in this parable, it's not all the word of God because it wasn't available there. Specifically in this parable, it was the good news. It was the gospel of hope. Now, why was Jesus using a parable to talk about planting the good news? And what is the good news? The good news relates to the purposes that Jesus has for us. And I want to give you three purposes this morning. You'll see these on the overhead. It's just a quick review. You know what they are. But what does God expect when this word is planted in your heart this morning? What is God looking for? Well, he has a priority of things. The very first thing that Jesus was looking for that day as he sat there in the boat and he talked about the kingdom of God. The very first thing he was looking for, his first priority as always, is this. Bringing those people to a place of conversion, salvation, saved, Christianity, born again, whatever term you want to use. See, Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. So we go back to Ephesians, and don't turn there this morning, but Ephesians chapter 2 says, We were dead in our trespasses and sins. So let's take this this morning. This is Jesus. You're the crowd. As he looked out there, basically the crowd were all sinners. They, have, they were religious, many of them, but they were sinners. They had not found a way to get rid of their sin. So Jesus says, the first thing I've got to do is explain why this seed is to go into their heart. It's to bring forth conversion. Now, conversion works this way. If you go on down to Ephesians chapter 2 and then 8 and 9, you'll see something like, For by grace are we saved through faith, that not of works. So you're saved. Jesus was dispensing the word free of charge. And you could become a Christian by his grace. You don't deserve it. None of us deserved it. But how do you become a Christian? Well, you become a Christian through faith, by believing. Well, how do you believe? Listen. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing where? And hearing by the word of God. So as he dispenses the word, he says, do you get it? Grab onto it. Do you understand the principle? If you do, you can be a Christian. You were saved. You were lost. Now you're saved. So that's the very first thing. So the very first thing that Jesus is looking for in the seed, the very first thing, the elemental thing in your life and my life this morning is this. A process of salvation, which includes, number one, confess, admit you're a sinner. Everybody had to do that. Secondly, repent. Repent means to turn around, change your lifestyle. We'll see a lot of that in Jesus' parable this morning. And third is to follow Jesus. You see, it's, it's an event, but it's a lifestyle. It's a happening at one time, then it's the whole life of following Jesus Christ. So that's the first thing. Now, is that it? Is that all that Jesus was interested in? No, not at all. The second thing that you'll see that Jesus was interested in is he wants our lives to be filled with fruit. Or as we'll see in our parable this morning, you know, grain or the soil brings forth some grain or whatever. You can use grain or fruit either way. Now, what does that mean? It means this. John 15, 16 says this. You did not choose me, but I chose you. I kind of like that. I appointed you. I like that. To do what? To go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. So the first thing that God wants from the Word of God, when you come into a church and you're not saved, He wants you to become saved. Then He says to you, your life is to be fruitful. What does that mean? Three things of fruit. You'll see them on the overhead. You need to write them down. This should be evident in your life. Number one, godly character. Number two, godly works. Number three, godly witness. So when I accept Jesus Christ, this process of discipleship through the Word, there should be, listen, some evidence that I've truly repented. Salvation is never by works. But after you're saved, 
there should be some evidence of what took place in your heart. Godly character, what does that mean? I'll give them to you. Godly character is this, the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness. Those characteristics of Christ should be evident in your life. Are they? See, that's the fruit. In other words, if there's really a change, just simply think it like this. If there's really a change in your life after conversion, you're going to start thinking like Jesus. You're going to start acting like Jesus. You're going to start praying like Jesus. You're going to start doing like Jesus. And actually, you're going to be like Jesus. Now, not perfectly, because we all blow it. But you're going to see those things. You're going to see godly character. You're going to see good works. So if I'm truly a Christian, these things should be evident in my life. Now, how evident? Here's the third part. A productive Christian will be showing increasing amounts of fruit. You say, well, I brought somebody to church back in 1994. They were there in the second service. And I'm going to say, what have you done since 94? Well, what do you want from me? Well, Jesus wants a lot more. In John 15, here's what he says. He wants you to be producing fruit, more fruit, much fruit. You see, there's an increasing amount of Christ-likeness. Now, where does that come from? It comes from a closer abiding with the vine. That's what John 15 is all about. So if I have a real relationship with Jesus Christ, those things are going to be evident in my life. Now, who's against that? Satan. Every time that God uses his word to plant a truth in your life, Satan wants to come and dig it up. It's happening this morning, as I already said to you. Some of you are already, your thoughts are as far from what I'm teaching as can be. So the enemy is always trying to fight the word because the word is alive. It changes lives. So what is Jesus dispensing? He's dispensing conversion. He's dispensing discipleship. He's, in, he's talking about those things that are going to move on. Now, how does he do that? That brings us to the soils this morning, the soils. We're going to see two areas, and let me just explain those. When Jesus was talking, there was a wide range of listeners. They represented four types of human hearts, four categories of people. Now remember, there's nothing wrong with the sower. You could say that with question marks about me, but Jesus, you couldn't. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with the Word of God. But we'll see that sometimes sowers give word that isn't really true. We'll see that this morning, what happens. So we have a dispenser of the truth, and it falls upon four different kinds of people. You're one of those four. You're here this morning. How it binds you relates to two things. Listen, these two are very important. Your conversion depends on how you respond to the Word. See, nothing wrong with the Word, nothing wrong with the salvation plan. It's perfect. But your response to the Word depends on what happens in your conversion. And secondly, your fruitfulness depends on how you respond to the Word of God. So there's actually a divergence. There are four kinds of people here. And as we give the Word out, we'll see this morning that probably three out of those four that Jesus gives the Word to, three aren't really believers. Only one are. But then there's a next part, and I'll use this as I go through quickly this morning. Every Christian, true Christian that's here this morning, also finds in your life times when your heart is like one of these four hearts. 
you also go through this sequence. Even though you're a believer, you'll see, and I'll point those out as we go. So this is not just a salvation message at all this morning. This is indeed about what kind of heart I have when the word is given. In fact, what kind of heart you have right now as the word of God is given forth. So we have these four kind of soils. Let's talk about the first one. Number one, a hard heart. A hard heart. Look at verse 15. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, notice they hear it, Satan comes. You'll find Satan to be common in this whole parable. Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. So let me give you, what I'm trying to do this morning is do two things. To give you a physical illustration of what Jesus was talking about. Because his hearers knew what was happening. And then a spiritual application of that. Okay? So the physical. In Israel, in biblical times, they didn't take their John track, you know, Mac, you know, truck and drive down through and dispense the seed. A guy would put either on a, on a mule or on his shoulder the seed. And he would go through and he would be dispensing the seed from this pack underground. Now in those days, as you remember, those days the, the fields were filled with little paths that went through the fields. They didn't have walks, they didn't have sidewalks, so they had these paths. In these common paths that would break down, the soil underneath that would get just like rock. How many of you uh, remember fertilizing your yard, and when you fertilize your yard with these little things, and you're always going over it, and it spins in and out, it goes away. It always goes where? On the sidewalk and in the driveway. Am I right? The driveway gets stained and the grass dies. You can't figure what's happening. What's happening? The wind blows it and it goes on there. So you have to get out and, and brush it off and water it off and get it all off. Well, this is what happened. The guy's just planting seed and he's just dispensing seed. And obviously the wind's blowing some of it back on here on this hard path. Now, when it hits the hard path, it's like the floor that we're sitting on this morning. What happens to it? There was no physical penetration. It just bounced off. And a bird flying over. He was hungry. It's about noon. And he went, hey, drive through restaurant. Boom, right down. He picked up the restaurant. He picked up the seed and said, thanks a lot, man. Who put it out? He ordered a Big Mac and got one. The seed was there. Now, spiritually, what does that mean? It means this. Jesus was saying, as he spoke to those people, one of those types of soils, one of those people, one of those categories of people had a hard heart. What does that mean? It means this spiritually. When they listen to the word, as you're doing this morning, as they did when he taught, their minds were already made up. They'd already determined in their heart what they wanted to believe. And here's what you usually find with these people. You may be here this morning. Your husband, your wife invited you. Your mom, your dad made you come. You invited a neighbor. You're here because you want to get them off your back. Now you're listening to the word. And whoever brought you, by the way, I don't know who brought anybody, so don't look and say you told them or whatever. I don't know any of that. If you get nervous and start sweating, that's your problem. It's not me. I don't know who you are. So what happens is this. When the word goes forth, you're going there like, hey, cool service. Uh, and your friend or spouse or dad or mom say, man, oh, I hope they get it. You're not going to get it because your heart is already determined. You're going to do this thing, you're going to be good enough to reach God yourself. You've already determined in your heart, this is a bunch of fooey. The Bible is clear, we're not saved by works. Our salvation comes by grace through faith in Jesus alone. It's not by anything we do, but it's by what He did for us. However, works are important, 
What we say and do does matter. When we're truly born again, we're given God's grace. His grace will produce a change in our hearts that's manifested in our words and deeds. Facebook and Twitter have become a regular part of our everyday lives, and we want to be sure to encourage you to check out our Facebook page and Twitter feed. Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links. You can find information about everything that's happening at Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Again, to like our Facebook page and subscribe to our Twitter feed, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time on Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark will share with us how important it is to share the truth with others. This is especially true in leading people to salvation. You see, the salvation message has been tainted. Many people are sold the Christian lifestyle by false promises. They're told that all their problems will magically go away and life will be smooth sailing. But that's not found in the Bible. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Mark continues teaching through the Gospel of Mark. That's next time on Lessons for Living. 